This is this is the show where I played games. It's Guild Ball Tonight, your independent source for Guild Ball news, information, and conversation. Episode 62 for May 22nd, 2017. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Guild Ball Tonight podcast. Now, I am your seven games down host, Phil, and joining me uh, tonight is our played no games this weekend uh, co-host, Bill. How you doing there, Bill? I am very sad, but way so happy. I just don't understand. I, I feel very conflicted. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, it, it it there. It was a it was a strange couple of weeks for us. I think in uh, in that we basically uh, we did tournaments backwards. We yeah. Uh, we did not uh, accomplish our normal routine. You stood around and talked to people, and I played seven games of Guild Ball. <laughs> I cannot wait to hear about your seven games of Guild Ball, sir. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, that's pretty much all the... we're going to do on the show this week is talk about tournaments, and then we'll answer some Twitter questions. Uh, well, that's the news, right? The news is both Vengeance and the Spring Fling are over. Yep. So after you listen to this recap, you can pretty much check off for a year. Check out for a year. <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. Nothing, nothing else important will happen <laughs> in the next 12 months. So, uh, so yeah. So... I did, in fact, go to Vengeance 2017. Uh, I guess it was two weekends ago. And so how was the flight? The flight was actually good. I I got a I got a seat that was oddly situated on like a like near a bulkhead, but the bulkhead was like six feet in front of me, so I could actually stretch out my legs, which made the flight much more comfortable than. The uh, hmm. the SteamCon flight I took, where I just had like an extra eight inches in front of me, uh, and I was a little nervous about the airline I flew because I had never heard of it because it was like it's a small like British based discount carrier, and turned out to be a better flying experience than <laughs> British Airways. <laughs> oh wow! So I would definitely fly Thomas Cook Airlines again, uh, despite. Uh, going Thomas in, assuming Cook that it was going Airlines. to be a death trap. Yeah, um, if you're flying out of New York or Orlando, uh, it's it's very cheap tickets and direct flights. If you are not flying out of New York or Orlando, it may not you're actually screwed. be any benefit to you. <laughs> Fair but, enough. There you go. So, uh, yeah, so I got over there on... Uh, very early on uh, Thursday morning, it was a short trip for me. I did not, I did not make a marathon out of it like I did uh, Steamcom. But I got over there on Thursday morning and hopped on a train and uh, mostly slept my way to Darlington, which is over on the other side of the country from Manchester. Uh, and met up with. Uh, friend of the show a uh, friend to you and me chris rudder and is he my friend now he's everybody's friend <laughs> and uh i like chris i miss those podcasts <laughs> believe it or not good uh <laughs> and so we would uh what do we do we we uh we walked around uh darlington which is 
one of those cute British cities. And uh, then, uh, let's see. Uh, you got a Parmo. You uh, drank a lot. I, well, we drank. We got Parmos. Uh, Steve Newton came up from York, and Chris's son Owen was there. So the four of us played uh, some Dark Souls and ate uh, fried food. And it was a uh, it was a good way to it was a good way to start my trip. That was uh, definitely a uh, what I was there for. And then the next day, I had to uh, go and get to a place where I had to play guild ball. Uh, <laughs> nice. So we uh, we five of us piled into a Ford Focus, and um, uh, I wouldn't think you would fit in a Ford Focus. Alone. alone no so it was it was four it was four big guys and owen jammed into <laughs> jammed into this little tiny car and um we drove oh, uh, we drove across england and got in and then went uh we checked into our hotel and then walked uh, over to element games and pretty much the first the first thing I see when I walk into the, the gaming center is our old friend Tim from Germany. Woo, Timmy. Timmy. And, and, and so Timmy sees me walk in and is immediately buying me drinks <laughs> because that's what Tim does. That's what Tim does. And of course, he's already, he's already uh, timming it up. And everybody, uh, we had a we had a very good time on Friday night. Everybody now, did, who was there, did I hear correctly that Tim um, drank his opponent's way into him being best sport? <laughs> I know he won it. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> no, uh, Tim. Tim is a is a charming and lovable character. He is. Uh, so. Yeah, so we all got um, really, um, really a little bit, a little bit too much adult uh, beverages on Friday night, and of course it was it was good fun to to start the Gilball tournament Saturday morning, um, horribly hungover, and as is my custom, I blamed it on jet lag. Oh, of course, I like that. <laughs> but well, I gotta that seems tell you. That first game was rough. <laughs> I was, I was very, I was very much reminded that I was forty three years old in a foreign country and terribly hungover as I played that first game. Uh, but I will say, so we played, uh, I guess, four games on on Saturday. It was a a longish day. We played a game, then broke for lunch, and then played three consecutive games thereafter which was a you know pretty good stretch but um you know i kind of came back to life around lunchtime i think getting some food in my and getting to the point where it was at least 9 a.m back home helped um uh and we had a good time i mean you know the the games were uh were varied in terms of kind of how how intense my op- my opponents were. I mean, you know, I was mostly swimming in the kiddie pool anyway. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, I wasn't 
I wasn't playing Cutthroat Guild Ball. You know, I brought. So, now I don't know what you're talking about. I am seeing a finish of 102 here. You <laughs> did I you slip were, to 102? You were in the top. You were in the top of the bottom 14 players. <laughs> I won two. <laughs> Is so, that what you went? You went. You went five and two, or two and five? Two and five. Two and five. Yep. Let's I see, want. I. I beat uh, a couple people, so um, I recognize many of these names. Might be because they're all Brits, and I don't yeah, play much over there. Them. Oh, Andrew Jones! Wait a minute, is that Andrew from? Um, yeah, that Singled was out? that was that that first match when I was hungover. What I was, I don't even <laughs> like. I don't even remember what guild Andrew played. <laughs> so, 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 Phil, what did you play? Well, Flint. You know, you it was it was interesting the because there was there was like the new the new drafting system and everything. Um, I only brought six miniatures, so I don't know how that works. <laughs> um, I decided. So, so what did you bring? <laughs> I decided at the last minute that I wanted to get back to basics, and I knew I suspected that I was going to be um, a bit limited in my. Uh, that I was going to be a bit limited in my capabilities. So I decided to go with the team I knew the best. And that, of course, was the... Honor. Uh, yeah, the original Six Masons. I mean, I, I wasn't going to play Hammer. And I didn't want to end up uh, overthinking anything. You know, I, I love the original Six Masons. I know how to use the original Six Masons. Why muddy the waters? In retrospect, had I taken it a little more seriously, I probably would have brought Tower and Wrecker to have some options to swap out Brick and Marbles with, because there were a few matchups where that uh, that other combination would have been uh, a little bit more little appropriate, but come on, like I was going to take this seriously. <laughs> um <laughs> So, so yeah, so I played, uh, let's see, Jace is reminding me I played Brandon. Actually, yes, I do remember Brandon was the, the fourth game on Saturday. He was a really good guy. I, I thoroughly enjoyed playing Brandon. Um, so we, uh, yeah, so I, I got I'll, in there. I'll, I'll save you, Phil. He was your third game. Was it the third game? Yeah, you played my, Brewers, the well, fourth was, game. Was Steve my fourth game? Steve, yep. Steve Atkinson, yeah, he was there. Who drove me from uh, Darlington to? <laughs> so I, I owed him one. A little upset if I had not saved you there. Eh, whatever, I don't remember. <laughs> it's all, it's all fuzzy. It's all, all blur. Fuzzy. It's all blur. So then, um, I don't know. We played four guild balls, and then went and got some kebabs. Now I do remember every detail about the kebab. I had a very nice Donner kebab. It was large Donner kebab with chips and garlic sauce. And it was fan-freaking-tastic. But it was like this five-pound log of of kebab. It was amazing. They wow. basically just left it on the table and hoped somebody else would eat it. <laughs> because even I couldn't eat that much. <laughs> but, That's uh, impressive. I, well, you know, I'd go for the, I'd go for the food. And you know that that's one of the well, interesting. As you should. Well, as it's you one should. of the interesting things about going over there. It's 
The only place over here that I really encounter this kind of eating is when we go up and crash at my in-laws apartment in New York because it's a similar situation where you're not going to fast food. You're not going to chains. If you want to get food quick, you're still going to like a mom and pop takeaway place. So the junk food is just better. Yeah. Right. Like down you, you here. You need to go to Chicago want... with me. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's a big city. I'm sure it's, it's like being in New York. Yeah. And... I, I mean, there's still a couple of chains I go to, but yeah. that's what I do in Chicago is eat. Yeah, exactly. And then there's other stuff to do while you eat. Exactly. So so I go there to eat, really. <laughs> Just like but when I go to New York. seven games of Guild Ball. Uh, and, and had a couple of kebabs and a parmo. <laughs> and um, after it was all over, I went to... I went to dinner with uh, Finnegan and Chris Hay. We went to this uh, really nice kind of upscale pub that that served kind of like fancy British food, and it was it was outstanding. It was very very good. Hmm, cool. A little bit more a little bit more upscale than my than the, ke- the greasy kebabs that I've been eating the whole weekend up to that point. So how come I could not find you in the video of the Q and A? Because I was sitting in the back eating my kebab. <laughs> okay and i mean like i didn't really have any questions i mean i i i knew everything i needed to know <laughs> <sighs> so uh so what did you think of the q a were you was did you watch it live did you watch a uh a i did not watch though? any of it live i watch it rebroadcast yeah. um oh it's very steam conish i thought yeah, I mean, I I thought the Q and A was good. Um, I think it's great, you know, that they're still going out and doing Q and As. I love the fact that that all the SteamCon guys were there and playing, and and Bryce actually did really good at uh, at Vengeance. Yeah, I think he ended up so, in second. Did he not? Second? Yeah, I think so. So yeah, he was yeah. he was one of the few uh, fish players to to emerge from the. Uh... From the engineer swing that it happened oh, before that, we uh, should. Yeah, we will. I'm sure we'll talk about that over and over point, about yeah. just the difference in the difference in uh, games over there and numbers over there compared to here. Right, right, right. Sort of the distribution of teams, but um, yeah, I don't know. It was a Q and A, right? They, they, they kind of. Yeah, I do. I do wish that the Gilball community would come up with some new questions. Well, nobody asked about Blackheart's ship. They waited until, you know, I asked for trivia questions for that. Um, I, I mean, I, I think it was good. I, it felt like a lot of the questions kind of wound back around to the same set of questions. Right. Although I will say, if I remember right, it seemed like there was a bit more fluff related questions this time which was kind of, which was yeah. cool to see which and it's 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 appropriate given the fact that you know the the season three book had just dropped what two three weeks before so it was all it, so was, it was new material <laughs> what was that i i do remember a couple of points where uh you know people were like no don't answer that we haven't read it yet that's <laughs> nah, too bad uh, uh so oh. the uh oh yeah jace was saying he was the first he was on the first stream oh, game was i was gonna ask about game. that too okay so i haven't watched his game yet but i hear matt got absolutely stomped <laughs> well i don't ask jace 
<laughs> so, well, so how come you didn't end up on camera? I mean, you're a minor celebrity. Um, well, actually, Alex Alex Hall had had threatened to put me on one of the streams, <laughs> and basically, I told him I would leave. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I didn't want to be on the street. Like, put somebody who people are going to learn from on the street. You know what you're going to learn watching me? Any idiot can make a snapshot. That's what you're going to learn watching <laughs> me. I scored like six snapshots over the, the course of the weekend. <laughs> I did. Okay, so my micro goals going into the tournament. All right. So that's, that's pretty much all the tournament <laughs> I can cover is is there was food, there were seven games, and I was hungover for most of it. Although I will say, Saturday night was pretty tame because we were all too wrecked from Friday night. Oh wow! (laughs) There was still you were not drinking well. There was still drinking. Don't get me wrong. We were all nicely buzzed, but nobody was falling into people's front yard gardens (laughs) Saturday night. Somebody may have fallen into a garden on Friday night. Um, may have. (laughs) uh, There may be photographic evidence of somebody uh, in a in a flower bed. Um, It wasn't me. So uh, yeah. So where was I going with this? Um, I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea. Snapshots. You make lots of snapshots. Snapshots. Oh, my micro goals. So yes. So I had two micro goals going into the event. Number one, play all seven games. Right. So I accomplished that. That was that was the easy one. My second goal was to score a goal in every game. That's really all I care. I wanted my. I did not want to get blanked in any game. And I don't care about takeouts, just in general. So my goal was to score at least one goal in every game. And I believe if you look at my scores, I did, in fact, score at least four points in every one of my games. I think think those are good goals. Right. So that was... I I mean, that's a little unfair. You did have Flint. I did have Flint. Although, I will say, I think Honor may have scored at least as many goals for me as Flint over the course of the weekend. Um, I believe that. Yeah, well, I was, I was getting a lot of snapshots, and she plays in the middle for me, so she's always been <laughs> kind of a turret. I mean, it is a little sad that the two games you won were against Hunters. That kind of drives <laughs> other points home, doesn't I, it? I may, I may <laughs> have sent Jamie P. a, a WhatsApp <laughs> message. Uh, afterwards saying uh, both of my vengeance wins were against hunters uh, consider that in your balance equations <laughs> so um, yeah so so yeah so basically I accomplished everything I set out to accomplish I played my seven games I, I scored a goal in every one of my games I had some good food I drank a lot and I saw a lot of my friends and we had a a blast let me ask you this because i'm sure you pay i i am counting before asking these questions on the fact that you paid absolutely no attention to any of this so uh (laughs) what do you think is behind the fact that there were so many engineers well the i mean the reason union union and then engineers is the two highest number of uh 
you know, players per guild yeah, over in Vengeance. My my takeaway was that a lot of people had it kind of in their head that engineers were a good answer to fish and alchemists. Okay. I know and people that in, believe that here, that, that that it's the spoiler team people haven't really, yeah. or that they're just starting to discover. Right, and I think that the, the thought going in was that it was going to be very difficult to emerge from that big of a pack playing one of the sort of consensus good teams that you kind of needed to... The, the, the strategy that a lot some people could employ to maybe rise above their... To maybe rise above their natural level of play was to to kind of play into the competition. Okay. And I think I think that may be why we saw a few more engineers teams than were expected. Um you know, but at the end of the day, you know, I don't think that uh I don't think that we can be surprised that a, a fillet team and a and an alchemist team Ended up at the at the top because you know those are just. Two I, I gotta admit, I'm teams. kind of surprised to see a butcher at the top. Uh, um, I don't know. Not fillet that I think fillet is bad, but fillet is still fillet. She does fillet things. You know, I had to play against two fillet teams over the over the course of the weekend, and those games are so unpleasant that I just feed players into it to make it stop. <laughs> They're just no fun. <laughs> I just went back because because James uh, James was actually playing Alchemist, right? The um, guy that won. Yes. Okay. The final was. I want to say, the final matchup was Alchemists and Butchers, right? Okay. And then Bryce ended up coming in second with Fisherman. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, it looks like, I mean, so, you know, there's still a fair number of When it was all said and done, it was kind of the usual suspects. I think, well, I, you know, that comes back to Guild Ball as a game of the players, not really of the teams, right? So tell me about Union, my favorite. I mean, <laughs> there was a lot of Union, and then their win percentage is actually a bit low. Do you think that was because, I, I guess, let me ask you this. Let me ask this a different way. Um was there a lot of excitement about Grace and Benediction being on early release, so people were playing Union to be able to there play was, that? There were there were a lot of people who came in early on Friday and bought them and built and painted them for the event. Okay. Um, there were there were also a lot of people playing Season Brisket. Uh, was she not without, doing well over there? Well, I think what it comes down to is that those two things taken together mean that a lot of people were playing a captain that they didn't know well. Okay. And one or two players they had literally never played before. Right. And so I think that you may have seen a few inefficiencies emerge in the union lineup as a result of what people were playing. Um. You know, it, it wasn't that sort of veteran rage, kill happy lineup that um, can sort of be relied upon. I think in in many cases. So right. Yeah, I, I think it. that I think that 
had I brought Union with me, I don't know that I would have tried to put Grace and Benediction in right away if I was taking the tournament seriously. Because it's it's a you know, there's a learning curve there no matter how much you think you understand those players. I think that you can you can harm yourself a little bit by trying to <laughs> trying to learn a player in a tournament on the clock. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but we'll get to that on the spring yeah. flick. <laughs> yeah, and, and I also the other thing I'll say is, you know, with seven games, I only I only clocked out once. Yeah? yeah, dude, that's awesome. So, I did I did manage to and and. You know, P.S. to that, this is the first time I'd ever played on a clock. Despite having created the app <laughs> that people use to play on the clock. <laughs> so, so, point of trivia, that's why when, when the GB Timer app was first released, the buttons were backwards. is because I have no idea how a, how a chess clock works. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think it works great. I think it works great. But but you know Bill from playing me. I'm not a yeah, I'm not a slow player. I mean, I just want to shove my piece up the board and get on with it to my own detriment because I don't measure anything. I still don't measure anything and it's it bites me in the butt every time. <laughs> I'm constantly a half inch shorter goal. So uh how did you like the I did see you haven't played a lot of tournaments, so I can't even ask you about that. <laughs> You you only brought six guys, so you didn't you didn't do the ten man draft. You you haven't played with being matched up, not using strength of schedule, so you didn't really deal with the strength of schedule stuff. He ruined all my fun, Phil. You took away all the fun questions. That's why I'm here. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, no, I you know look, I had a great time. Um, It was worth it was worth the expense and the time to fly over there and go. It was a you know, it, it's it's like a, it's weird. I can go to I can go to England, and since so many of my friends right now are English, it it doesn't feel any different than going to, you know, Kentucky or St. Louis or or Virginia for me. You know, it's just that's where my friends are. I go over there. I have a great time. The flight is just a little longer. <laughs> it's. Uh, it's interesting. So, hopefully, I can make it to something over there next year. I got. I'm. I'm like. I'm so deep in the karma hole right now with uh, with the wife. So, she is a, a infinitely patient with my shenanigans. So, hopefully, I can. I can. Uh, I can get over there again next year. But I would definitely like to go back to Vengeance again. That was a. Uh, was a good good event. Jay did a. Jay did a pretty good job pulling that all together. So yeah, uh, he did a great job. In fact, I I mean, I'm hoping Jay listens to this so that he will hear me say the three or four times I've asked him for his address to send him some stuff that I owe him. And he has said, yeah, 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 I'll get it to you. As soon as uh, spring fling is over, you get, you know, catch your breath. And uh, I still haven't gotten his address. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I got this nice little package here ready to go for him. So... Yeah, well, uh, that's, that's so funny because Jay is so good at answering questions. Um, <laughs> we love Jay. So, we do love Jay. So, yeah, and then, of course, he had uh, he had some excellent volunteers as well. Um, and, oh, my God, how much do you love your vengeance goal? 
It's pretty cool. I like it. I'm I gonna, like. I I'm love. I thank you and... for bringing mine back for me. By the way, I love yeah. that vintage skull. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I like their little symbol with the the two swords. It's a very that's a very cool uh, little bit of graphic design and, and in the little D twelve cup. Yes, that was my that was my vengeance experience. Uh, now, how much trouble did you get into over the fact that you know the mother of your children was home alone all weekend? I sent her some really nice flowers. <laughs> well done, sir. Yeah. And, well um, done. You know, you know the kids are teenagers. We've been married twenty years. Like this stuff doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> I don't know, dude. That must fade away later because I'm just over 10, and if I miss Mother's Day, I still get murdered. Yeah, And my kids are almost out of the house. I'm like, you're not even a mother anymore. Well, apparently I can't say that. (laughs) Rough. That's rough. So uh, so tell us about the... uh, Spring fling? Spring fling. How'd that turn out? You know, I made a comment. Did you see the picture of the prize support? Uh, I did. So I made the comment on Sunday that it was like Christmas. I just got to give stuff away and give stuff away and give stuff away. It was awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, at, <laughs> so so this is great. Uh, first, second, third, and then, you know, it was six rounds. So I gave a prize to the the top of the, uh, the, the top of the two and fours, the top of the three and threes, the top of the four and twos. <laughs> and then I went ahead and gave up, uh, uh, you know, could have been a contender out uh, because, you know, even using strength of schedule, we're still like, we like giving an award to sixth place. That's actually where the uh, grace and benediction you brought back for me went. Okay. So uh, that was, that was wonderful. Uh, along with a couple of other prizes. Um, incredible. So I have to say this again. I know I said this before and this is, this is blatantly advertising, but I think everybody should support these people because they were amazing in supporting the Spring Fling. So Broken Egg Games and Mats by Mars for the second uh, second event stepped up with incredible support. Uh, Secret Weapon Miniatures and and um, um, Hidden Forest uh, Gaming uh, just awesome and stepped up. And then Art of War amazing uh do you remember i mean uh, you, i'm sure you saw grant again at vengeance right uh the uh, the art of war people sure the art of war guy they yeah. brought they brought two uh very well-behaved dogs did they <laughs> oh just random point yeah so and what's funny is so grant and i were emailing grant sent over an amazing box of stuff yeah. in support of um in in support of the spring fling and one of the things that kind of made me laugh is he had said, hey, I need to do something special for you. Yeah. And what he ended up sending was these great laser engraved tokens for the season three plot cards. And then I looked at the little packet you sent me and there's this Art of War great season three tokens for the, for the season three plot cards. So, so I need to email Grant just to give him a little bit of a hard time about, you know, hey, apparently this was special for both the tournaments this month. <laughs> I do like but those little tokens. They are they are fantastic. Well, especially given so. the fact that I mean, you know, the the ones that we got in the the card set were cardboard, and I've already kind of started to to mangle now, the corners on mine. 
What was really weird to me, um, so in our swag bags, there was a secret weapon miniature base. There was the Art of War tokens, and there was a um, a Spring Fling uh, 2017 goal. Yeah. And and Mats by Mars sent out. If you haven't seen these, Mats by Mars have these great vinyl stickers that fit into the depression on your base and have the same printed art that's on their mats. Right. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. So it's there the was the closest a, thing to a clear base that you're gonna get. Oh, it's 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 fantastic. So there was a set of those and all the swag bags as well. I mean, I'm telling you, the swag bags when I said they were awesome leading in. Anybody that missed this really did miss out on an amazing swag bag. Uh, everybody seemed to have a ton of fun. It, it was it was great. And the sponsors, I, I cannot say enough about the sponsors. Uh, Huzzah Hobbies stepped up, our local store stepped up and bought two of the, uh, uh, ordered and bought two of the tournament packs. Yeah. Um, I think the only, the only thing that, uh, was questioned was why there was sort of a not sort of why there was a blatant lack of acknowledgement or support by Steamforge themselves and i gotta say i think i think their growth is starting to impact them yeah um you know i i think that there's there's blind spots emerging um yeah just because there's only so much attention to spread around and, and it's and it's a little sad right because it's hard as a pundit to to defend the game, but then have to. It's hard kinda... as a what? Well, yeah, okay. It's hard as a tournament organizer who was a pundit and really supports. No, I shouldn't say was. That's sending the wrong message, right? As far as I know, I'm still a pundit. Nobody has told me different. <laughs> You're a what? <laughs> so, but it, I mean, it is tough to advocate for the game and then get very quiet about the company when I did. We never had to do that before. Yeah. You know what I mean. Oh, so, I know it's it's a it's a conspicuous absence. I will I will say that much. It was and a then very was, conspicuous absence. And this is I'm going to try to make this the last uh, questionable thing I say until we get to the OPD, which everybody <laughs> thinks I'm like you know gutter and mystizing. Um, so so the other one that was a little weird was this new tournament system. Uh, there was a lot of people who came in, new players and existing ones, who somehow believed that the spring fling was uh, part of the part of the uh, championship circuit because you know largest tournament in the US uh, to date and uh, then when I explained to them it's not and that I was confident this was because it didn't fit with the timing Steamforge has chosen they of course came back and went but we're so confused there's a qualifier for the Nova Open in two weeks and I just sort of went well you know, not my decision to make. I think everything went really well, and uh, let's just move beyond that. So, so let me think. Some of the highlights. Yeah. Do you recognize the name Frank Kumitis? I have seen it in the community, but I don't believe that I have met him. Now, I don't understand the background. Maybe Hi Alex, who's in the chat room, can explain to us the background. Uh, apparently, they call him Pockets, <laughs> and, and I don't know why. But um, Frank showed up, uh, started playing through the day. Now, I, I, I think I've met Frank before, but we've never talked a lot. This man rocked out six freaking rounds to come out at the top of the tournament with 
I mean, like, I'm not going to say out of nowhere. He definitely came in. He's a ranked player. He's done some amazing things. But holy crap. Pulled off the win. Beat out people, not directly in games, but but came in above people like Jordan Jordan Knack, uh, Alex Botts, uh, Vince Kirkov, High Alex, although... Coming in above high, Alex isn't that tough. I was going to say that uh, for a minute. It sounded like you were just <laughs> saying that he was that he had beaten Chicago. Um, you know, coming coming in above Dutch, coming in above. I mean, just amazing. Absolutely rocked out the the uh, the weekend. So huge, huge congratulations to him. Uh, he had a he had a tough uh, a tough set of games. Um, one of the other highlights I got to watch uh, Pat Van Valza who on his own podcast gets beaten up regularly about the number of games he loses, beat Jordan. <laughs> right? um, yeah, uh, so hi, Alex is mentioning Mike the Dog. Yeah. Uh, Mike the Dog just did amazing. He's on one of the WCC teams. Okay. And, uh, mm-hmm. and and I mean, the the players there, right? So if you look at the top tables... We had eight out of the top ten players in the U.S. Black Orifice ranking were playing during the weekend. So if you wanted to come out, and we actually had a couple people who did, come out and watch just some top-level U.S. guild ball, it was being played at the Spring Fling. Now here's the, for me as an organizer, here's the coolest part. We had three people that their first game with six players on the table was game one of the spring flank. <laughs> we had six people whose first game of the spring fling was in their first 12 games ever. All right. We had three women who rocked up and played, uh, two playing morticians, okay. one playing butchers. Um, just, I mean, across the board, even, even at the mid tables, the bottom tables, Everybody was incredibly friendly. Everybody was helpful. Uh, I actually had to, uh, tongue-in-cheek, but then it ended up playing out well, I actually had to put a rule in the rules pack that said, uh, as a reminder, Bill is the TO and the final rules arbiter. Yes, you will be surrounded by several pundits, playtesters, and possibly Steamforged employees. If you are uncomfortable with the rules they're telling you, you should not be afraid to call over Bill as the TO. Right, You don't have to listen to your opponent just because they are one of these three things. And there was no issues whatsoever around that. Um, we only had one contentious game all day. So I think that was fantastic. Um, the best rules call of the day. And I'll, I'll talk about the best and the second best. So... Well, yeah, Hi Alex is upset because it's the Philly guys. This is a guy who got his name Hi Alex because, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, he was that poor butcher's player. <laughs> so, so the best two rules calls of the day. The best one was um, top table, final game, right? We have Vince and Frank both playing. And this is Alchemist against Fish. Corsair's on the table. There is this massive scrum in a ball at Frank's side of the table. And, uh, 
you know, I, I had walked up, I'd watched, I'd watched it for a bit. And then I, uh, I, I walked away, came back, watched the game for a bit, walked away. And all of a sudden I hear a judge call and it wasn't like a frantic judge, right? It was just this, uh, judge, Bill, could you I'm like, yeah, go ahead and pause your clock. So I can wander over. I'm like, what's the problem? And I look at the table. It's all right there. The ball has been set next to the clock and, uh, both very, very nicely, very friendly. Frank holds up a measuring widget. Vince holds up the standard scatter. Vince looks at me and goes, Corsair just got knocked down with the ball. It's three inches to the five. And I glance at this mess on the board, <laughs> and he goes, please place the ball for us. <laughs> Rule of least disturbance. <laughs> so, stick it somewhere. <laughs> So, no, it was it was good. So, like, I measured the whole thing out, and then I measured the inch around, then they measured the inch, and I'm like, that's that's it. But, I mean, that that, that is a great use of a judge call. Yeah, yeah. Right? Neither one of us want to bump these models. Please just have the T.O. come over and put the, put the ball down. Yeah. Um, the second good I, – I had several. I, I shouldn't say that. I had very few rules calls during the weekend, and a lot of them kind of came back – with the same questions. So I've actually made a list of those questions, uh, especially with so many new players and experienced players at the tournament. The other judge call I had, which was also a good use of a judge call was, um, when I got, when I got to the table, uh, clock is paused. I look at the table and you know, the whole layout, and I can't, and I can't remember who was playing against who, but basically the line from the kicker to where the ball landed when you place down a 30 millimeter wide widget to measure it crossed over a base, but it crossed over the base in such a small way that I had to lean over the table to stare down on it. And it barely covered the lip of a 30 millimeter lipped base. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, the question was, can that ball be intercepted? And I'm like, oh, unfortunately for one of you, yes. It touches. Yeah. So, uh, but those were, those were the two big rules calls that I thought were just fantastic use of rules calls. So. Well, good. Well, good. And so, uh, so you want to hit the, the, the the one that the internet is all in a, in a, in a, in a tizzy about. Sure. So you're first, you're going to explain it to me, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll explain it to you and and to everybody else out there. Okay. So you, you decided to what change one sentence in the OPD and now everybody's losing their mind. Uh, officially, I decided to change a couple of things in the OPD. Only one of them is out of the new. Oh OPD. wait, were were you a sanctioned regional event? Well, I know because there's no such thing as sanctioning anymore. Oh, then who gives a damn? Right. Okay. Next um, topic, or are we going to actually Lon, explain I will, this? <laughs> I will come back on to your question because this is a. This is a, a an interesting question overall, and I think it's one that Phil and I can both talk about. Yeah, yeah, we definitely um, can. It might not be popular, but we can. <laughs> so, so here's here's what this came down to, right? The new organized play document is out. Uh, let me let me hit the simple one first, which is the organized play document says you declare you you know, ten man roster. I did a ten man roster. Yeah. It says. You declare your captains first, captain and mascot. Then you roll to see who is kicking and receiving. Then you draft your other four players. I don't agree with that. For a variety of reasons, I don't agree with that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I said, and I made the decision based on actually taking time to evaluate not only how I felt, but also looking at a lot of the feedback out there online and looking at other feedback, talking to uh, some of the people. Now, unfortunately, I don't know why the decision was made, but I looked at the feedback overall. Uh, the majority of my players that Are came to the sure tournament. sure it wasn't a typo? No, we're not sure that at all. <laughs> the majority of my players that came to the tournament, yeah, uh, to the Spring Fling, the majority of people online, all and I all felt that it is better to roll for kickoff before you declare your captain a mascot. Okay. So that's a change I made. It's, it's I did not publicly reasonable. send out my rules packet at that point. The rules packet was sent out privately to everybody who was attending, and then it was provided in person, but it was provided before the weekend. The other change I made is is a bit different. I did use strength of schedule and opponent's strength of schedule. The way I did first round, which is normally randomize every pairing of everybody in the in in the tournament and then try to avoid same club if you can, but really just randomize everybody. I didn't like that. I wanted to one of my concerns is there's a there's a lot of worry. I have heard a lot of feedback about over competitive players in guild ball the guild ball is moving to a very competitive environment i'm not against the competitive in fact i'm all for the competitive environment but as an organizer and as a as a to right as somebody who's organizing an event i want everybody at the event to have fun top to bottom and i also have a couple of other goals and i was very open about this and actually put up some polls i got a lot of feedback for about two months, maybe th- two and a half months before the spring fling, about how to handle first round pairings, and what I ended up choosing to go with, and and talked in a couple of different ways because I looked at a couple of different systems, and what I ended up choosing to go with was this: I went through and did the homework for everybody showing up, and got everybody's black orifice ranking, and if they were unranked, I put them in as unranked. I then. On the day, everybody who I hadn't, you know, I dropped out the people who didn't make it. Everybody knew who showed up on the day to show up. I looked up their rankings before doing the pairings. And then I did what in, it's a standard style of pairing. Um, I seeded the first round. And what I did is I had 42 players. On 21 tables, the first person to go to each of the 21 tables was number one through 21 in the order of their Black Orifice ranking. Mm -hmm. And then number 22 got matched up with 21 and on down through 42. So the number one seed was playing the lowest rank? No, no, the 22nd. Okay, okay. Sorry, 22 played number one seed. Okay, so, okay. so Jordan, number one player, played uh, the person who was 22nd in the list. Now, I will say with this large of a tournament, 22nd in the list was in the, I'd have to go back and look, but he was still in the hundreds, right? Yeah. But it's somebody that has experience, has played tournaments and, and things like that. Sure. Now, here was, that was the seeding. And the next thing I did, uh, that style, just for people that don't know, that style is Dutch style standard swiss okay and that is you take your bracket 
You divide it in half. Yeah. And top half plays bottom half. Right. And and anybody, I I think that it's, I know that Swiss pairings is used in Guild Ball tournaments. That's, That's always been like the standard. So it's not, it's nothing that isn't familiar to many well, and the difference is right. Difference is previous. So the first first iteration of organized play did a a standard Swiss no style pairing, okay. and standard Swiss no style basically says within your bracket, first place plays second place, third place plays fourth place, fifth place plays sixth place. Now I chose not to do that. I chose to go the Dutch style for a very specific reason. All right. I want, I had a couple of goals that I was trying to set up. One of those goals is I want everybody's game during the day to get progressively more challenging and be closer matched to their skill level. So I want the first round to be the furthest distance in skill level all day. And then every round you play after that, you your opponent should be closer to your skill level. And by doing Dutch, it also means that it, that's basically what that Dutch style Everybody does. Everybody pays for themselves? Yes. Yes. Well, no, going Dutch means all the women had to pay for everybody else. But um, <laughs> no, this, but this style of pairing means that the brackets, as they get smaller, the skill level gets closer together. Yeah. Right? It also means that first place is not constantly knocking out second place, which achieves my second objective, which is at the end of the day, and this is a twofold objective, the end of the day, I want the top table to be the most challenging, most exciting game to watch. And then in every other table down, I want that also to be the most equally matched best game for everybody at every level of the tournament. And if first place is constantly knocking out second place, if as you go down, 20th place is constantly knocking out 21st, you don't end up. What you end up, you don't end up with that. What you end up with is, well, this is just second place out of the next round. Now, the other thing I didn't want is because brackets are large, I really, do, even with strength of schedule, I don't like the idea of let's just randomly throw everybody into a hat and mix things up and hope that the pairings come out okay. Because right. the brackets, especially, look, that may work for top bracket and it probably, it works actually okay for bottom bracket. And this is a discussion I've actually had with, with Perkins, with Jamie Perkins, right? Jamie has said to me several times, well, as an organizer and as people putting together the OPD, we have to, we, they, Steam Forged, have to worry about the whole tournament, not just the champions. And my pushback to him is his system ignores the middle of the field, which tends to be the largest section, right? X minus one, X minus two tend to be the largest sections. And if you go in randomly, it's luck of the draw. And you don't know whether you're going to have a challenging game or not. You're all over the place. All right, explain X minus one and X minus two to me because I'm seeing this term on Twitter a lot and not being X, a tournament wonk, I don't know what it is. So the winner of the tournament at the end of the day yeah. is the person who won all their games. Okay, so it's X, wins. X is that number of games. Winners wins minus. Right, 
minus oh. one okay. or minus two. All right, fair enough. Right, so it's at vengeance. So I was X, X minus, minus five at the right. <laughs> at uh, X minus six, actually. Oh. <laughs> no, you were X minus five. You were okay. X minus five. Phew. Yeah, the, there was. Uh, you were X minus five. Excellent. But throughout the day, you can look at that as well, right? Yeah. Uh, your your X minus ones are the people that on the third round have gone two and one. Yeah. Okay. So so that was my goal is I don't I, at no point during the day do I want to ignore any part of the tournament, okay. any part of the event. I want everybody to be having a good time. So then the question comes up, how did that come out? Now, let me say the first thing. Tie break? <laughs> let me tie step break back. Hates you is what I'm guessing. No, I, I look, I am still a huge advocate of tie break. I specifically was breaking the system. Not really breaking. I was modifying the system, and it wasn't set up for what I needed to modify. So I was running tiebreak and a spreadsheet, which was the, I think, and this is a criticism of myself, was the biggest downfall of the spring fling, was it took way too long between rounds for me to go in and make sure everything was accurate. All now, right. on the good side, uh, it is pretty typical to have a mistake here and there. You know, you put somebody in wrong, you click the wrong winner because you didn't click the, you know, I, I got all of those throughout the entire day. So, you know, I, I, it took so long to put the pairings and everything together and that's the downfall. But part of that was I've been traveling for three weeks leading into the spring fling. So I didn't have time to write any scripts or reach out to friends to have them write the scripts for what I needed to do to do the pairings the way I wanted to. Right. Uh, the way I ended up doing pairings all day, I still used tournament points, just like the organized play document says. I then went to strength of schedule, which in this case, the new organized play document, so that explaining for you, Phil, um, strength of schedule is actually small words <laughs> is actually what is called opponents win percentage. Okay. Yeah. The number you're looking at, really doesn't relate to you. So it's not, it, it is, it is how many, what is the percentage of games your opponents have won yeah. averaged across all of your opponents out of the games they've played. See, and here's my question about this in the new OPD. Yep. Is, can you hand compute strength of schedule in you, a, let's say you're in a 16 player tournament in a facility, you don't have ready access to Wi-Fi, or maybe you didn't put your event into tiebreak. How do you manage not this? Not easily. See, that's you, my concern you have to, with this new system, is that well, it's hold not, on. You, it's you not can't paper do, friendly. Yeah, you can't do it pen and paper easily. Yeah, You can do it, because basically what you're doing, and it gets incrementally harder. This one gets incrementally harder the more games you play. Yeah. And... Then when you go to opponent, the next one, it gets near impossible. So what this says is, right, your 16-player your sixteen player event. Round one, it's pretty easy to figure out. You basically go, did my opponent win their game? If yes, my strength of schedule is 100, or my strength of schedule is 100%, their strength of schedule is zero. Right. And since it's zero, right, because my opponent won 100% of their games... And their opponent, me, lost 100% of my games. And then in the new system, because 
anything below 33%, anything below a third defaults to a third. So there's a floor, which provides some protection to people dropping and, and playing really bad and tanking and stuff. You just put 33 and a third. However, that explains why my strength of schedule was 33 all day. There you go. But here's the thing. So you and I play, you win the game. Yeah, right. I lose. Well, let's, you know, we're dreaming this up. Then we both go play another opponent. Well, now you have to track both opponents and how many of their games did they win out of two games each. And then we each get a third opponent. How many of those games did we each win? So now it starts becoming a bit harder. You can do it, but it's not simple. It's much simpler if you have a spreadsheet and even simpler if you have a database. Yeah. And you could load that onto a laptop, but you're not really going to do these quickly on, on pen and paper. Now, here's the really tricky thing. The second tiebreaker that the new organized play document uses and the second tiebreaker that I used, and keeping in mind that since we're talking about second tiebreaker, we're talking about the third comparison here, right? Right. So your first comparison is tournament points. Right. When you have a tie among tournament points, then you compare opponent's win percentage. Then what I'm going to do in this one, I, I don't know a way you do this pen and paper. I'm going to look at my opponent's opponent's win percentage. So now I have to look at how many games each of my one, two, three, four opponents, one, two, three, four opponents won. I've, I've lost you completely. Exactly. So what you're saying is that it's no longer a uh, an intuitive system. It is no longer an intuitive system. And then what I did is I added on, and, and this is where I think another area people got uh, think that it's gone crazy. I added Rebel. on uh, victory point differential. All right. Right? Your victory points minus your opponent's victory points. And I did that because in the middle of the tournament, there was still some ties at certain points of the tournament. So I needed that other level of separation so that I could do a good job with that Dutch style Swiss parrot. Fair enough. I mean, okay. So then, so you, so you've explained what you did. How did it work? Now let's, well, were you, were you happy with the changes that you made? Um, I'm not happy with how long it took me to do the comparisons because I was still... I was letting tiebreak calculate a couple of things and then hand-carrying that into a spreadsheet, doing the pairings in the spreadsheet, going back to tiebreak, yeah. and realigning the pairings the way I wanted them. Now, the results. Here's a couple of interesting results for those people out there. Um, I asked Red Sam, uh, anybody who hasn't seen, so, so Black Orifice, we love Ben, I love Ben, and Black Orifice, you know, I, I have followed the Black Orifice rankings for a while. Red Sam is new to the rankings, Guild Ball ranking scene. If you have not gone out to look at uh, redsam.xyz, in his Guild Ball rankings, definitely do that. Red Sam's rankings actually take a um, a screen scrape. They go out and get data from tiebreak, 
And he has something that Black Orifice doesn't, which is, well, Black Orifice gives you overall rankings of guilds, uh, you know, and how the guilds are performing overall. Red Sam's ranking site actually gives you how the guilds do against other guilds. So not just how well are the alchemists doing in winning all their games, but how well do the alchemists do when they play against butchers or masons or morticians? And that's a really cool thing to look at. So in some discussions today, because I wasn't able, with work going on today, I wasn't able to do the stats, Red Sam pulled together a couple of sets of statistics for me, which I will now talk about. Um, And one of those that I wanted to look at, and I'm going to be putting together in graphing as well, was the average victory point differential by round of the tournament. Okay? Now, here's the thing. The larger the average, right? This is the theory. The larger the average victory point differential in a set of games per round, the more blowouts happened in that round the more people just got wrecked or crushed, right? Right. Which to me would indicate a wider disparity of skills. Now, look, anybody in any skill can get crushed. I watched a game of two guys who I think are actually both very good players. And when you when I heard about the game, they and here's a good example. These two players started their game and they were turning in their score sheets within the first 15 minutes of the round. And the score was 12-2. And I looked and went, holy crap, what happened? Well, in that 15 minutes, the losing player killed a player and missed two goals. And they were like a four dice and like a three dice and a four dice. I think it was a three dice tap and a four dice goal or something along those lines. I'm sure he will... He knows who I'm talking about, so I'm sure he will you know, message me and tell me how, how off I am. But again, he did that, and then his opponent was able to respond and score the 12 points uh, with you know three goals real quick. That was a very fast game. It looks like a shutout, but when you listen to the things they got done in that 15 minutes and what went into, you know, he failed at two, the one guy that lost failed at two goals, still was able to get a kill in for two points. And they did all that in 15 minutes. That was not a game that didn't have a lot going on. That wasn't a complete shutout. It was dice just going horribly wrong. So there's going to be shutouts even among people of close skill levels. But average across a round when you look at all the people playing in a tournament. So the average victory point differential of round one at the spring fling was 6.2. Round two, it went up to 6.6. Round three, it went up to 6.7. Now, that sort of is heading in the wrong direction, but they're very small. It's it's tenths of a point change there. And I, I, want, I want to go back and look at some of the raw data to figure out what that is. But then we start seeing at the midpoint of the tournament, it drops to 5.0. It hovers up in the fives. And then the sixth round, it actually drops down to a victory point differential of 4.3. So... Overall, it's not quite a glowing success. It's not everything I was looking for, but it certainly starts to come back and line up the way I was expecting it to go. On top of that, there was not a huge amount of blowouts 
in the first round. I mean, you're talking about the majority of games being 12-6. Mm-hmm. So thinking about the wide disparity of players I had at the tournament across 42 players, I'm pretty damn happy about that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, here's another one I, I find kind of interesting, and I think this one you'll like a bit more, Phil. <laughs> Okay. So listen to this. You ready? I'm ready. The other, the other thing I wanted to look at was how many mirror matches were there. Now understand, at no point during the tournament, even in round one, did I avoid same guild matches. Right. Okay? And remember how I did this. I seeded the first round based on rankings, and I then matched people up. So within a bracket, within a win bracket, the top half played the bottom half, right? Round one, there was only one mirror match, which happened to be butchers. Basically, two of the four butchers played each other. Round two, there was only one mirror match, which happened to be alchemists. Okay, so round one and round two, you have the least number of brackets win-wise, win right? And you have the widest range of players in those brackets. Round three, you start to tighten up because now you actually have potentially four brackets of players, right? Round three, there were... Did he say three? There was actually four same guild matchups. Fishermen, Union, and Morticians. Round four, there were three, Alchemists and Union. Round five, there was four again, Alchemists, Brewers, Butchers, and Union. And then round six, when you have, again, the widest disparity of, of brackets, there was down to only two, Butchers and Morticians. Does that say anything to you? Um, chaos theory? theory? <laughs> I, I think it's more than chaos theory. I think certain levels of tournament play and skill level call out to certain guilds. I also think this starts down a path of looking at how guilds tend to be, um, I don't want to say rated, but how they fall into a certain, I, I think there is something to contribute to certain guilds being above or below as a guild the curve of power level right right, right. At, since you you increase as you start to get into the areas you haven't gone so narrow as you're going to be with the maximum number of brackets but but rounds three four and five in a 40 player event you're talking about three and four so you're talking about six and eight players who are playing mirror matches of the same guild in in those same brackets basically in the same win brackets well now how much of that is how much of that is down to the the format changes that you implemented though i mean is it i actually you, think a, did you a do lot of the reverse is. of that what do you mean well did, did you see what the how those mirrors would have worked out if you had done followed the old system the old system 
I haven't yet, which is something I want to actually talk to Red Sam about going back and pulling. Yeah. And adding to his site. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so it could be nothing. It could be complete. We're talking about one tournament, right? So this could be completely inconsequential. However, I think it does point towards looking deeper and could very much point towards the fact that, yeah, not either because it calls to a certain type of player at a certain level of competitive competitiveness or because certain or because certain um, uh, over on discord, sorry, uh, or because certain uh, certain guilds re- you know, regularly or naturally fall at a certain level of competitive play. Yeah. There is basically a stratification in guilds. There could be. And I'm not saying this definitively, but it's something we've all talked about when we talk about ranking guild power level. Right. This right. just actually is some statistics that starts to look like it may point towards it. All right, fair enough. I mean, now how so do you think that do you think that changing that does that base assumption is going to upset the the numbers that Black Orphis has for for guild ranking? I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that because here's something I noticed. Butchers? Three out of... Butchers faced Butchers. I only had four Butchers players. 10% of the tournament was Butchers players. Only four. And Butchers faced Butchers in mirror matches... Three out of six rounds, fifty percent of the rounds. I think they were drifting middle to bottom. All right, um, which lines up with the Black Orifice rankings, which does not line up with the experience over in the UK, which I find interesting because there's a lot of sort of higher end players playing butchers over there. Yeah. Well, and then. If I mean, you look it's... at when Union and Alchemist start to come together, or Fish, it's only at very specific places. Yeah. Did you drift? Did you cut off? Nope. Okay. Nope. I'm still here. Okay. You kind of <laughs> stopped. Oh. No, I, I was... Sorry, I, I got a message in. Oh, okay. So. All right, well, I'll cut that part out then. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so I, I found it very, I just found it very interesting overall. Um, it, it certainly was uh, was intriguing. Um, so, huh. yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I You know how much I love the stats coming out of these types of events. I do know that you do. <laughs> so, <sighs> so what do you make then of the, of the um, organized play document. Uh, thanks for that, Lon. It just, it just <laughs> derailed me. Uh, what do you think of the the notion then that players should have a reasonable expectation of homogeny in tournament structuring? Oh, I would love that. But I would also. I also think players have a reasonable expectation of. A championship tournament system that makes fucking sense. (laughs) 
I also think that players have a reasonable expectation of, um, you know, companies that make games and build themselves as hugely into the community actually providing community support. Yeah. And and I think a lot of the, like I said in the beginning, a lot of those areas are starting to slip. Um, I, I Springfling, I, I, I've said this a couple of times. Springfling was not sanctioned had zero support and wasn't even recognized over the weekend by um, by Steamforged. Uh, the Spring Fling, both 2016 and 2017, at the time of their running, were the largest conventions in the U- or the largest events in the U.S., largest tournaments in the U.S., continues to be the largest tournaments in the U.S., Fall Brawl at the time it ran last year, which I also ran, and this isn't a me thing, but Fall Brawl was the second largest. Bourbon Trail Open is in both of those, in the top five. When you look at the top five events in the U.S., two of them are the Bourbon Trail Open, three of them are the Spring Fling. Mm-hmm. And Bourbon Trail Open has gotten questionable support, except for the fact that Matt flies out on his way to Gamma. Spring Fling, has, Spring Fling and Fall Brawl have gotten no support. Yeah. I, I don't understand what the why anybody is surprised that due to a completely confusing championship circuit that can at best, you know, that struggles to pull that, that struggles to pull 17 people for championship qualifiers and, uh, you know, a program that basically isn't, isn't recognizing the volunteers and, that, that people are going to start to drift. It's, it's sad that I happen to be the first one. But I think I'm just the first one because I also am publicly I'm the first one that's seen because I'm public on a podcast and because, you know, honestly, I'm still using tiebreak, which I think tiebreak is a fantastic program. Look at the number of people who have basically dumped tiebreak to include Steamforged, who doesn't use tiebreak at their own events, but mandates it for the old sanctioning system. I mean, I guess if if you know, there, this shouldn't be a surprise that it's starting to happen, and people are going to find better ways to do things. Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind, I kind of see both sides. Of this there's, there's the, there, there's the part of me that says that if you're not, if you're not kind of within their their schedule of events their qualifiers then you should be free to make your own choices and uh you know no no strings on me there's also a part of me that thinks that the players stand to potentially be confused by too many different formats right and so is there a is there sort of a break-even point between those two positions where well, look, maybe the changes aren't so severe? That... I think that's perfectly fair, but let me... Yeah. Can I can I make a... Oh, not can I. I'm going to make a point here, right? <laughs> One, um, Spring Fling has been in planning for six months. It has been widely announced. Two, the changes to how things were run were sent out in advance of the organized play document. And when the new organized play document got released uh, less than 10 days before the spring fling, there were requests that I look at it, I evaluated it, 
found what I felt was best for the players and shared that with all the players well in advance, all the players that were registered well in advance. So there were no surprises here. Right. Right. No, that's fair. And as complicated as the pairing sounds, the only impact to the players that they had to worry about was twofold. One, they couldn't sit at dinner and dictate or, or, or make, you know, they had to do a little bit of work at dinner on Saturday night to figure out who their Sunday morning matches were against. <laughs> Where, honestly, within a random system, they can't even do that much. Number two, okay. they didn't have to worry about the pairings. All right. Because so... pairings are being done by the TO. You get paired up and you go. Yeah. And now anybody who is concerned about the pairings, now and all the way leading up to the event, knew exactly how pairings were going to work. True. Now, uh, another question I would have, though, is if you are if you are tweaking format, do you think that that potentially um, puts noise into the data at a ranking site like Black Orifice? Not enough to change things. Mm hmm. Not enough to change things. I mean, is is it fair to say that you still play the game? I mean, and that's oh, absolutely the. You're still playing the game. You're still playing with the 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 guilds that are best are still going to drift to where they go to top or bottom. Mm. The players that are best are still going to end up in the placings they were at. In fact, the biggest difference is actually the difference that was made in the organized play document. The biggest difference to a ranking. There's two huge differences in the rankings right now. Um, that are going to impact the rankings. Number one is a change that was made that I kept with Steamforged, which is get rid of ties. And right. now instead of things being 10 tournament points, it's one tournament point. And really, that's a, that is a change that just needs to be tracked. And Ben is already working on his system on how to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's because he awarded a certain number of points and then used those points as part of the ranking. Number two is making the change from how your tie breaks are done from victory points and victory point differential over to um, opponent's strength, you know, opponent's win percentage. That is a major change. That actually makes it so the people who were typically playing on top table and dropping to sixth, eighth, tenth are now playing on top table and dropping to third, right. fourth. And and that actually changes more in the that rankings. That's potentially disruptive then, just because of. I actually think it's a little bit more fair. I I personally prefer that system. Mm -hmm. Whatever system is used, I guess here's the thing. Sure, it's potentially disruptive. I'm not the one that made that change. Right. That's right. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> that. It's funny that you ask about that one because that being one of the most disruptive changes is actually one of the ones I didn't deviate from the organized play document with. Right. 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 True. True enough. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting seeing how how Ben handles the the transition from yeah from one OPD to the next because. It, it, it does it does hit some of his underlying assumptions in in calculations so uh maybe at some point 
it would be worth the once he's made that once he's made that migration it might be worth so I'm sitting down with him and, and talking through the decision-making process there so that people kind of have a a transparency with regard to I know he was working on it today and yeah. that is uh, something I very much want to get him back on to talk about once mm-hmm. he settles in um yeah, I, I, amusingly, it's funny you say that. My other break today, I was having a, a very small five-minute chat back and forth um, with both Ben and um, um, I want to say it was Andrew. But now I have to go back and look. But um, a couple of us were having a discussion back and forth about, you know, what what we would like to see in the in the changes to the rankings. And I'm going to try to be a very good podcaster here and figure out who it was I was talking with so that when I give the wrong name out, like I've done in the past to Ed Churchman, I'm sorry, Ed, for giving your beard away. I, uh, you know, make sure that. Uh... <laughs> Still, the, have you have you grown that beard yet, Bill? The, 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 the penance, penance beard? beard? Dude, nobody wants to see me in a beard. <laughs> people think they want to see me in a beard, but that's like people who think they want to see me naked. Nobody wants that either. I, I know I don't. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, let's see. Uh, this is bad. So that's, this your is kerf- bad. that's your kerfuffle. All right. What that's my kerfuffle. So, an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, I I, it, was, it was Henry, Henry Clark and Ben and I were having a, I mean, lots of other people too, but Henry Clark and I sort of both agree on the same this is what we would prefer to see best and this is what is easiest right fair enough all right why don't we go ahead and answer a few a few questions um do we want to start with lawns why am i throwing the tea over the side of the boat (laughs) i think we just answered that question so let's see um so feedback, uh, of course, we're, we try to mix, uh, get a mix of people who are in the chat channel and on the Twitters. And if you only use Facebook, well, then you probably don't know about the show because I don't use Facebook. So um, let's see. So uh, in the chat room tonight, but asking me on Twitter, so it kind of counts as both, was uh, Jace Fox, who wanted to know... Um, which players we would most like to see switch guilds. You know, there's some, there's, there's been a little bit of, I don't know if there's hints or if there's just, uh, grumbling in the, in the, uh, the groundlings for, for some more players to, to start moving around. But, uh, uh, you know, this topic has kind of come back up, you know, is is there anybody that we, uh, that we maybe think, is is destined for a change or just somebody that we want to see go their you own know, way you know i i i see a change coming and what and, and i'm i'm kind of happy about it i you know i um i'm really looking forward to when uh vitriol and flint both become union <laughs> and can only play for the solo union team because my uh my team of uh triscuit flint vitriol missed yeah and uh does it really matter who else? Where are you getting influence <laughs> on that team? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't allocate with with harmony, mist, and honor. And that was with brick and the monkey. Uh, 
I'm sorry, you're absolutely right. What I meant to say was the new union player, um, you know, back to, uh, you know, Obulus, uh, Trisket. Uh. <laughs> Bizarre. All right. Uh, I mean, as far as, a, as far as a legitimate answer goes, I think that, um, you know, with the, with the Rat Catchers Guild still kind of out there in the conversation, I mean, they've never said yes and they've never said no, right? Um, you know, Graves loves him some rats. Um, he does. He does. I, I it would not shock me. I mean, this is nothing that. Uh, so what would that be? That, that would we, be we... shocking if he uh, didn't uh, maybe maybe so go cool. hang out with people who are a little bit more his uh, his speed. I mean, he's never been content in the morticians. That's not a, bad. Graves. So so what do we see here? Graves. Skulk, right? The guy they're giving out at SteamCon this year. Um, yeah. Compound, who's known as the Rat Catcher. Oh, yeah, good point. We've already got like half of a rat team. That's half a team. Uh, that pile of rats that can just Piles leave the morticians because nobody plays them anyways. We're up to four. So we just need uh, two more players and we have a... Holy you know, crap. They could, they could come up with two more players, right? So there you go. There's our there's our uh, Pied Piper team. Yeah. Oh, in, in a Pied Piper model, I'd be really happy with that. Indeed. As the captain. There you go. So, uh, yeah, I think he's one who the fluff is is leaning towards, who the, the storyline is leaning towards. Um, it, do, it does feel like, um, you know, there's a handful of other players who are sort of being pushed out of their... Of their factions in the stories. Um, you know, Tapper seems to be <laughs> on the outs with the his guild, although I doubt that that would be a, a movement situation. I think that may end up being something of a, um, a fist fight and a knife in the dark kind of a situation. Yeah, I think that's going to be the story for SteamCon this year. Yeah. Uh, oh. yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. That's definitely one of the ones that's being set up. Uh, who else is kind of... Uh, ill, ill-suited for their uh, for their surroundings. Um, I don't know. Hammer had a really bad story, you know, re- really bad day in the story. Yeah, true. But but you know that there's 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 players who are in bad situations within the guild where they are, right? Like yeah. players like Silence, players like Ballista. You know, they're they're on the outs of favor but they're not maybe looking looking past themselves now moving outside of the fluff you know there's always there's always players who you feel like would just be amazing playing with another team right i mean there's you know if if only uh you know maybe you could get uh cena <laughs> Cena on any other team. Cena. Car on any other team. <laughs> right. And, and so, you know, I think that that will be, uh, that's just going to come down to who's your favorite player and who's your favorite team where the those two don't intersect, right? Like, for me, it's Flint on all of the other teams. All the other teams, all right. All the other teams. Like, like, boy, what I wouldn't give to have Flint on... Uh, on the uh, the farmers team, and, and we all know where I stand, right? I mean, you know, the truth is, rage on any team is good. Yeah, true, true. Well, fortunately, rage can still play for about half of them. That's true. That's true. 
That is true. All right. So, um, but all in all, yeah, I think that there's, you know, I guess we, we finally saw it for the first time in season three with brisket moving. I mean, there's, it was one of those things that had been hinted since the very beginning of the game. I mean, since all the way back into the Kickstarter days, like during the campaign. And she didn't die, which is very yeah. unsteamforged like. <laughs> yeah, so I mean Matt had been hinting all the way back then that you could see players swat switching teams. And uh unless I'm forgetting something, Brisket was the first one to actually make that move. And uh you know, I suspect won't be the last. So well, I don't know. I think Harry made that move. I mean, wasn't Harry a team of his own? Like, that's why he never got played, because he had nobody to play with? Oh, no. No, that wasn't why. Okay, move on. Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and, in fact, move on. So Chris Smith asked us, um, which, what? <laughs> you don't know what he asked us. Hold on, I'm going to have to edit this because I can't read my own handwriting, so I have to go back and... Uh... This is professional radio right here. Are you doing the Should the Guild Union Choices? <laughs> Will I be a regular tournament scene in Florida? <laughs> we still have a tournament scene in Florida, Byron? Yeah, it's run by all the pundits. Mm. Oh, Union Choices changing in scene four. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I got it up here. If you want me to read it. All right, so uh, so Chris Smith asked uh, what we think about the, um, changing up the union choices for guild for uh, guilds in season four. So you know we've had sort of uh, the union players have been playing for the same team since the beginning of the game. What if we rotated that around a bit? Now, honestly, I think that. I, I suspect that what we are going to see is not so much that they'll change up who Union plays for. I think that we're going to continue to see uh, Union players less available in the long term. You know, I don't think we that we've seen who is available to the Farmers. Uh, we certainly haven't seen who's available to the to the blacksmiths now that they've been announced. Oh, by the way, blacksmiths were announced. Oh, that uh, would have been news, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, we'll get to it. Maybe we'll do that on the next show. I mean, what is there to talk about? <laughs> they've been announced. End yeah, exactly. of story. Uh, there's a seven. You know, that that's about it. That's all we got. So, um, you know, we don't know what these new teams have, but uh, we're certainly not being given any reason to expect uh, that any union players are being expanded into those teams. So, uh, you know, what you have to remember is that the, the mercenary concept of union was not necessarily a feature for the sake of interest it wasn't a it wasn't a feature for the sake of uh tactics it was a feature for the sake of practicality it was a it was a very pragmatic way to provide 
uh, enough players to to have meaningful choices of tournament rosters because when the game launched there were only six or seven players available for every team what union provided was three to four additional players for every team to choose from a smaller pool than were you to have seven times three to four you know so with with 10 players they could do the work of 21 to 28 players and when they only had x number of models to choose from uh as far as how many pieces they could manufacture and distribute at launch it was a clever it was a clever way to accomplish that necessity right and so what we've seen since then is you know with the with the last iteration of the OPD not this current one that just came up with the previous one uh your 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 union option was reduced to one per team from its previous you know three four five depending upon what your team had available and that was because now most teams are up to what 10 11 models uh generally speaking uh it's and what you know one thing to keep in mind is that the more teams that a union model plays for the harder that model is to play test and balance and the more disruptive it can be, you know, see all the changes that had to be made to decimate gutter hemlock. Yeah, you say had to, uh, I say questionable. Uh, some of them may have been hammered a bit harder than ne the necessary, but there was definitely an inequality of selection. Uh, so I, I think everything, I think, I think that the, the tea leaves are that we are not going to see, we're not going to ever see an expansion of the role of union in, uh, in the game. I think that union is, is increasingly becoming their own team. You know, the, uh, as far as as far as we know, uh, Benediction and Grace are only playing for Union now. I know. Um, I mean, that's and you know maybe rightfully so. Uh, you know, it's it's well, it's... and also you got to add in. I, I I agree with you completely. I think we're going to see a, a drastic, a further drastic decrease in a possible removal of Union, uh, especially when you think about they've pushed back the release of season four. Mm -hmm. So that gives them a whole nother year to add people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't maintain one union player for for quite some time, just because so many people have bought and painted those models. You know, I think that what they would be, what they have to consider is people's purchases. You know, when we talk about like it might be fun. For us to sit here and say, well, what if we made Mist able to play for engineers and fishermen and brewers, you know, instead of who he currently pays for. But you have to keep in mind that people with alchemists and masons and morticians have bought and painted Mist. But haven't 
haven't they already made the change that would upset people about that? Because they said, I mean, think about all the people who bought Alka, you know, Alka Union. Yeah. And those people now can't play well, anywhere near the team they put, put together. Potentially, but what is the greater number? You know, which is the which is the larger population that you're going to upset? Like if you if you made it so the avarice and greed suddenly couldn't play for almost every team, um, how many avarice and greeds are out there in people's boxes? Given the fact that in every iteration they've been come on, broken. nobody nobody plays avarice. And yeah, greed. right. Uh, so. So it's kind of a fine line that they need to walk. You know, I think I think bringing them back to one per team may in some respects be as far as they could go without upsetting people. But then on the other hand, uh, you know, they've shown a willingness to just rip off Band-Aids before. Yeah. And yeah. so if, if, the, if the desire is there to, to just take away this, this whole you know, the, the, the duct tape patch that was union. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they didn't do that either. So will they be shuffled? No, I can't, I can't really see a situation where the players are shuffled because I don't think that that addresses anything other than pure novelty. And right now there's mechanical issues to deal with before you start dealing with pure novelty. Will they be further limited? Possibly. Will we see more union-only models? Almost definitely. Will uh, will unions stop being an option for teams at all? Possibly. Uh, it wouldn't surprise. Possibly, me. but yeah, I. I think it, I think it, that it, they would get a lot of <laughs> negative. But herein lies the other side of the same the same argument I just made, right? The same reason why I could see them moving yeah. to and possibly removing Union completely from other teams is the same reason why it's not going to be as big of an impact. You still have over a year to play with your Union wherever you want them. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. I mean, it's it'll be an interesting it, it's an interesting question to to speculate on as far as as far as it goes. You know, because it, it kind of gets to I think it kind of gets to some of the core questions of where is this game going in, in some ways and what kind of what kind of growth in terms of teams can we see you know I mean will will we eventually get to the point where teams are no longer sort of mechanically able to take union and what happens then so I think it's an interesting it's an interesting thing for us to sit around over beers and talk about <laughs> and let it be that for a while, right? Yeah. At least until uh season 4. All right, and I think we have one more question. Um what ability Oh, this is from uh Bert Miller by the way, who asked what ability places the most design restrictions on a player? Uh I I really like. I'll go first with this All one. Right, I really like the first. some of the examples Bert gave. Yeah. Um, you know, Furious and Berserk. I think Berserk actually, at, from a ability standpoint, places a lot of design restrictions on um, on putting new players in or putting players in. 
Uh, you have to be very careful about somebody who can just keep taking attacks mm-hmm. every time they do damage. And you have to think about how to make sure that people can be protected from just being deleted. Right. Um, but in the current game, in the current meta with goal scoring being so high, hey, you know what? Maybe we'll get to a point where we'll see Berserk added to a couple of models to bring the beating game back. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, is I'd it like Berserk to see Berserk brings the, be- the beating game back, or is it just good playbooks that bring? The well, here you well, hold on, back. hold on. Let's let's think about a Berserk captain four six influence. With are, are you um, just talking about rage? <laughs> right. That's 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 uh, that's seasoned rage. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, you know, season three was kind of all about free teamwork actions, right? Uh, maybe, maybe efficiency in the in the fighting game is something that will be a little bit more common in season four as they as they seek to to balance those scales. Um, maybe not furious and berserk, but an effect similar that that gives extra attacks. I mean, I think that veteran rage is certainly maybe a prototype of what a a player who increases the fighting game attacks. with, uh, you know, an, an indirect effect can, can look like. I mean, so let me ask you this, Phil. How yeah. much do you think two inch two inch reach limits design space? Uh, you have you you certainly have to be careful with what a player with a two inch reach can do with a parting blow with a counterattack. Um, and think about, you know, where the tackle is placed, where the knockdown is placed and their role on the field. You know, somebody who isn't, somebody who isn't intended to be a winger or a defender maybe shouldn't have a low tackle and a two inch reach. Maybe somebody who isn't intended to be an enforcer shouldn't have a low knockdown or a, a knockdown at all and a two inch reach. Um... Yeah, it, it, it's always been the case in this game that two inch reach is a a bit of a force multiplier. And boy, do you remember that two inch reach union team from season one? <laughs> I do. That was some team. That was a fun team to play. It was a fun. It was a horrible team to play against. But uh, yeah, uh, is is a two inch reach. A bigger design consideration than, you know, a free punch? It might be. It might be. It certainly is a more complicated design consideration than a free punch. That's That, I think, is definitely the case. Um, now, personally, the, the, the ability that I think impacts the game the most, you know, is almost certainly anything that modifies activation order um to a lesser extent abilities like linked which we've seen now i guess three teams have access to linked at the moment um plus avarice and greed have sort of a set a a demi linked with their their uh, simultaneous activations uh you know being able to take an unanswered activation sort of at will is is an outsized effect uh only balanced by the fact that when you use linked you kind of surrender 
uh, a later activation. Now the the ability that truly messes with the game though is is gaining an additional activation. And, and you know we saw the the complete redesign of Avarice and Greed because of the problems that were uh, put into the game in terms of uh, first and last activation dynamics by Avarice and Greed in seasons one and two. And anymore, we really only sort of see it with honor teams who can still pull some of those shenanigans, although not efficiently. You know, the, the big difference between honor and avarice and greed was always efficiency, right? It costs honor for influence to mess with the, the activation. Avarice and greed just did it by existing. Right, right. And um, that's why one was changed and one was sort of left as is. Uh, you know, I think that that... The, the ability to either go first and last or to have two unanswered activations at the end of a turn uh, where you didn't bother to kill somebody is is a bit game bending and so I think that that's that's an ability that uh that they, they, they certainly need to minimize going forward um you know, certainly the farmers didn't really have any activation shenanigans. We, right. It remains to be seen what the what the blacksmiths have uh, up their sleeve. And, and, you know, what's almost worse is they don't have any activation. We're talking about farmers. They don't have activation shenanigans, but they also have a lot of jankiness that dictates activation order. Yeah. Right? I mean, so they almost become more constraining. They're a Rube Goldberg machine, but that's kind of a different issue. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I really think that that's, that's where the, that's where the game changes the most. You know, it's, I think it's easy to stack abilities and create problems. Like just look at Corsair. Um, you know, three seemingly innocent <laughs> traits that stack together to create a um, pain in the ass. Uh, pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> you say it that way. Yeah. So, in some cases, it's not a single ability, but a stack of abilities that that is difficult. Uh, you know, you can break almost anything in this game. Is, is what it comes down. You know, super shot can break this game <laughs> if it's on the wrong player. Um, tooled up can break this game if it's on the wrong player. Uh, so almost anything can be a problem, but I do think that the three, the three that Bill and I kind of put our heads together and came up with definitely stand out to me as, um, being potentially, uh, Potentially problematic. Although I do think maybe we need to add uh, free teamwork actions in along with the efficiency of free attacks because they kind of are the same thing at the end. They're, they're ways to get victory points for nothing. Ooh, I'm not sure I agree with that. No? Well, I mean, what is it that, what is it that, that you're getting from Furious and Berserk? You're getting efficient victory points. The teamwork action's not lend themselves to the same thing? Um, you know what? This has a lot of difference to do with the types of teams we play. Possibly. 
right? Uh, I'm using I'm using free teamwork actions when I can to get up the field, but free teamwork actions require the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, free attacks from Furious or Berserk require me to properly measure my threat ranges or pull you in. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. and free <clears throat> free attacks are are useful whether you have the ball or not, but that's sort of mitigated by the fact that free attacks lead to a two victory point swing, whereas free teamwork actions hopefully lead to a four victory point swing. So it's kind of one of those things where we have to, those are some difficult scales to balance intellectually, but I, I, I think the argument at least is on the table as to whether or not they're similar. I, I, I can see, I, I think that giving somebody berserk is more likely to be busted than giving somebody a free uh, four inch dodge, but um, unless it's Flint, <laughs> which Fair. you know it's it's always going to be it's always going to be uh, who's got it. Like furious Flint is is different than you know furious Mallet on the uh, you know on their own team. Um, so it's, I, I think we do sort of at the end of the day, get back to anybody could be broken. Any ability could be broken and it's sort of up to us to have faith in the design team, not to, not to, not to break anything else. (laughs) Oh, we hope, we hope it is, uh. It is, it is a good question as to whether or not uh, whether or not your favorite uh, person to to hate on at the moment is broken or not, but that is not for us to decide. So, all right. Well, I am becoming incoherent because it's late and we've been talking <laughs> for two hours. So, uh, did we accomplish our goals? We talked about events. I think uh, we did. Let's see. I, I had a Parmo. Bill uh, Bill broke the rules, and then we answered Twitter questions. Yeah, I think we did everything we wanted to uh We to did. All right, well, then I am going to say thank you to uh, the the crowd but who stuck with we, us through this. And uh, we should point night. out, we should point out, on yeah. the episode where we go deeply in-depth on maths yeah. and, and statistics and tournament rankings and tiebreakers. Yeah. Alex Botch showed up in the in the chat room. Hey, look at that! He did. <laughs> so, so, so now we know that's like a that's it's, it's that's, like it's like a mating call for Alex talking I, about. I think I need break. to take. Yeah, well, I think I need to take my my bear trap that Jakara puts out <laughs> and put like a paper of math equations in there, and it's going to be the Alex Botch trap. Okay, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, excellent. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for coming to the Twitch chat. Thanks for sending in your Twitter questions. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for being groovy. So uh, I am going to say good night. Say good night, Bill. Good night, Bill. Excellent. Knees up. Watch the knives. To join the conversation, comment on the show post at guildballtonight.com or email us at guildballtonight at gmail.com Also, feel free to give us five stars on iTunes. Every little bit helps. But when you do, don't write a review of the show. No. Instead, just tell everybody why you love Flint so very much. 
Guild Ball is property of Steamforged Games Limited. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guests are their own and do not represent the official position of Steamforged Games, Yo-Yo Dine Propulsion Systems, Aperture Laboratories, or even the other hosts and guests. Dogs barking can't fly without umbrella. It is time once again for another installment of Ox's Poetry Corner. You spent like a grand just to go get a parvo. Be honest with us. Thank you.